Have you ever wondered what a newly ordained priest does on his first day in his new assignment? Or are you curious about the historic church buildings in St. Louis? Did you know that a nun can also be a clinical psychiatrist? From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Welcome to the first episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. My name is Gabe Jones. Right now at the Olympic Games in Brazil, history is being made daily, and the world's attention is focused on this edition of the Olympics. But there's more history being made here in St. Louis this year. In 2016, the Catholic Youth Council Sports Program, or better known simply as CYC, celebrates 75 years since being established in the Archdiocese of St. Louis in 1941. Throughout its history, CYC has been a pillar of the St. Louis community. Thousands and thousands of St. Louisans have participated in sports offered by the program. In years past, the organization was the catalyst for major events, such as international soccer matches. In the 1970s, the man considered the greatest soccer player in the world, Pele, came to St. Louis to visit thanks to a petition signed by 15,000 CYC athletes. Monsignors Meyer and Sullivan, whose names are now forever associated with youth sports, were responsible for much of the early successes of the organization. But the roots of this organization go back to humble beginnings in the 20th century when kids simply needed an outlet for socialization and recreation, and the extensive network of Catholic parishes in St. Louis provided the framework for what was to come. It was during the 1940s in the face of racial inequality when the formal CYC organization began to take shape, according to current CYC sports director Paul Scoville. Catholic parishes were playing amongst themselves in the 20s and 30s, but uh, we had a team that had African-American players on it that the Muni League, the baseball team that we were participating in the Muni League, they said you can't have these players on that team. After some debate, the CYC, with the full support of all its nearly 60 teams, pulled its support from the Muni League and proceeded to form its own leagues. Since then, generations of St. Louisans, both Catholic and non-Catholic, have participated in CYC sports during their formative years, regardless of their athletic prowess. It's one of the things that makes CYC a special program. I think it's it's always been thought of a place to play. No matter what your skill level is, there's a place for you in our program. And so you, you can play if you can't walk and chew gum, there's a spotter team you can play on, and if you're a highly skilled athlete, you can also play in our program. Highly skilled or not, learning how to play sports the right way is enormously important for the CYC. According to Paul, that starts with sportsmanship. Sportsmanship and learning the game itself and ha- having fun playing versus the ultimate goal of trying to win at a cutthroat level. Everybody wants to win and participate, but you, know, you need to do it in a proper manner. You know, our kids are told, you know, not told, but basically taught to respect their teammates, their coaches, the opponents, and the officials. There's nothing wrong with the official. Official sees it from one, one view. Parents see it from another view. You know, the kids develop a good, healthy respect for, you know, authority 
uh, and playing the game itself for the love of the game. Um, it's not just win, win, win. But Paul says sportsmanship isn't just about what happens on the field. It's also about the experience of playing sports itself. When we host playoffs, the championships for each time, I tell the host district, make it special for the kids. This is one of the few times they're going to get to play in a championship for a lot of these kids. So make it as special as we can. We've even had groups that do it through a steam machine, the bunting, the you know all the banners and stuff. Make it special for the kids because it is special for them. After 75 years, CYC is still strong as ever, but there are challenges. Recently, you know, our number of teams are up over 5,000 teams, uh, about 75,000 participants in the program itself. Uh, changes have happened uh, with all the select programs starting and more public schools starting their own programs. We've had become more diverse and more sports. CYC now boasts nine sports offered for both boys and girls, including baseball, softball, basketball, volleyball, track, and newer sports like lacrosse and even chess. In years past, even sports like boxing and table tennis were officially sanctioned by the CYC. As CYC looks to grow into the future, Paul says they want to remain grounded as a parish-based program. It's, it's the melting ground for everybody. Everybody kind of starts here, begins at the Catholic parish. Keep the kids in the shadow of the church. Uh, which is Monsignor Meyer's words, and we try to do that. We've always tried to keep the, the kids and the parents drawn to the parish. We are a parish program. That's what makes us different than the Cory Leagues and the municipality leagues. And we're still fighting that now because we had a lot of people wanting to form teams along the lines of public schools. But we are a parish-based program first. That's what we need to try and keep out in the forefront. That's, that's why we're here. Paul says that although non-Catholic kids have always been allowed to play, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that CYC began allowing non-parish-based teams to participate. But that hasn't taken away from the friendly rivalries that have arisen between parishes and players. You know, the, the teams play the rivalries against each other, uh, but, but become friends too, obviously, because as they move on to high school, they are playing on the same high school teams. The, you know, the program has been one where we take kids of all skill level, so it could be a not-so-skilled player and a very skilled player, and they're playing together. It allows them to be a, a breeding ground for the Catholic high schools. Uh, the Catholic high schools have been very strong in soccer, basketball, and volleyball, which have been three of our biggest sports. And it's kind of ironic now the public schools are showing their own feeder programs along the same lines. From those strong Catholic sports programs have emerged some very talented and well-known athletes. One of the most famous is Bill McDermott, known as Mr. Soccer around St. Louis. He played at St. Louis University and professionally, and now is a professional soccer announcer and analyst. Bill always talks about the time he had in the CYC and his growth and growing up. There have been other exceptional athletes, too. Kristen Fokel, a lot of people recognize with big basketball player and volleyball player at St. Joe Academy, played at Stanford University. Uh, Kristen came through our program. Joe Baver, who pitched for the Cardinals. Uh, we have many, many athletes who go on to become stars have played in our program. CYC isn't all about forming athletes, though. Paul says the experience of playing sports helps kids learn leadership for a variety of roles. It leads them to be leaders. A lot of our players go on to become officials our coaches, so it's a good spot for them to start and learn and develop. I mean, lots of business people now are looking for players that have been, people that have been involved in sports because they're good team players. That leadership isn't an accident, though. CYC has a Coaching to Make a Positive Difference program specifically for coaches to help guide them in their role, but the program isn't specifically about the sport itself. It's not really X's and O's. That's more about coaching the team from the beginning and making sure the kids have fun making sure they are learning 
the skills of the game and what's important and you know, the fundamentals of the game is as important as winning and losing it here. With so many athletes and programs, how does it all happen? Paul says it doesn't. You know, people think it just happens when you have 75,000 kids playing, you know, 5,000 teams, 15,000 coaches, um, 5,000 officials. It doesn't just happen. We, 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 we do it from our office here. We do it mainly with volunteers. Volunteers at a district level, at a chairperson, a soccer chair, a official chair, a roster chair, on down to the volunteers at the parishes that fill our jobs too. Without the volunteers, it doesn't happen. So what does Paul want people to think of when they think of CYC, both now and in the next 75 years? It does give a kid the place to play. And say a lot of our kids are playing at a high, high level in their high school teams, their junior high teams, and going on to college teams too. So, and it's for the skilled and the not so skilled. It is a place for community and family and hopefully tying them back to the finish. I'm here with Jennifer Brinker, reporter with the St. Louis Review, to talk about an article she has in the St. Louis Review dated August 15th through 21st. So when you're listening to this, it should be this week's uh, edition of the St. Louis Review. Headline, uh, Metro Market, an Oasis for St. Louis Food Deserts. And uh, she delves into this uh, really cool bus, an old bus that has been con- converted into um, a miniature shopping you know, grocery store. I mean, it's really kind of cool. So, Jennifer, uh, thank you for being here on the Catholic Gateway podcast. Uh, thank you. The uh, the inaugural pilot episode, and you're the first the first victim. I mean, the volunteer to be on this. So. I'm very excited to be a victim. Yes. <laughs> so, tell us about this story and and uh, what this what this whole bus is really about. Right. So, um, we got a call from Most Holy Trinity Parish. Uh, they're in the Hyde Park neighborhood of North St. Louis. And they said, we thought you might like to know that we have a monthly visitor. And it's this thing called the St. Louis Metro Market. And basically what it is, it's um, there was a group of three young men. Um, they were college students at the time when they got, got it started. Um, but they wanted to tackle this issue of food deserts in some of our city neighborhoods. And so they were given a grant through the Incarnate Word Foundation, um, and they were given a donated bus, a, a city metro bus. So they took several months and they, they stripped it out, took all the old seats out and um, retrofitted it with some custom stands for produce. Um, and they got some donated refrigerated cases for like meat and dairy items. Uh, and they come once a month to Most Holy Trinity and they sell produce and meats and cheeses and all kinds of stuff to people in the area. And the reason why this is so important for the community is because this Hyde Park area is considered a food desert. Mm-hmm. And what is a food desert exactly? I mean, because people hear that and maybe think, oh, well, you know, deserts. We don't have deserts in St. Louis. So, sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> sure. So there, the USDA actually defines what a food desert is, and our, our story delves into the specifics of that but in essence it's a place where you have very little access to you know traditional grocery stores you might have you know like a corner convenience store that occasionally has produce or you know some small items there Um, but for the most part um, there there's a lack of access to food and part of that lack of access also has to do with transportation so folks in that community may not have a car to be able to get to a grocery store it may be 
you know, five miles away, but it's difficult to get to because they don't have that transportation. So, yeah, well, this um, I'm looking at the picture here in the, in the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is kind of cool. It's like a miniature grocery store. They got all the produce sitting out and little I guess these are like custom made baskets that the customers can use to to go mm-hmm. shopping in the uh, in the metro market. Um, you were telling me before we hit record about uh, a woman you encountered when you went out there to see the bus and some of the challenges she's gone through and how this market is so important for her. Can you talk a little bit about her story and yeah. uh, and how this has helped her? Sure. Um, so Melissa is um, she lives next door to the rectory at Most Holy Trinity, and she walked down with her little dog and um, you know had him sitting outside, and she went on board the bus to get a few items to make for Sunday dinner. Melissa's story is interesting. She's actually a stage four cancer survivor. She originally had breast cancer and it, um, I think, spread to other areas of her body. But she attributes um, good nutrition and exercise to the healing process. And so she was grateful for this, you know, just being a wonderful convenience factor that she could just walk a few blocks down the street and she got some, she, I think, bought collard greens you know, for Sunday dinner. And she said, this is wonderful that she doesn't have to get in a car and go somewhere. It's, it's right there. And it's the produce to me, what I saw was very good quality produce and it was at a, you know, very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I saw one interesting thing in the story here too. <laughs> Cardinal Glennon, I think it was, hands out prescriptions for, for food on the bus. Yes. So I heard just a little bit about this, but, um, Cardinal Glennon and um, St. Louis University Hospital are both um, corporate sponsors with this effort. And so once a week, the Metro Market comes to those locations and they park out there. Um, You know, not only do the employees shop there, but they have patients that come. And at Glennon, they give, they're called like prescriptions, if you will, but basically a coupon for discount on your purchase there. So I thought that's that was cool. kind of a neat yeah, idea. It's not a prescription you can just get anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but there really is a Catholic connection then when you said, you know, it's, it's been at Holy Trinity, you've got St. Louis University, mm-hmm. Cardinal Glennon, mm-hmm. uh, the Incarnate Word Foundation, all these different groups that are, uh, you know, have some sort of a Catholic connection have contributed to the success of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really makes it unique, I think. Right. I think especially at Most Holy Trinity, you know, they tend to, you know, the parish likes to to look at kind of the bigger picture. So not just the people of the parish, but the community in which they live. And so, you know, they identified this as, you know, a very um, important piece, you know, to Mm -hmm. serving the community in the Hyde Park neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, because you were saying uh, when we talked earlier about um, how the parish really becomes an anchor for the community in a lot of ways beyond just the spiritual stuff, but providing some for some of the temporal needs as well, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, well, check out the story in the August 15th through 21st edition of the St. Louis Review and read more about it and uh, learn a little bit more about what a food desert is and uh, what you can do um, to, uh, you know, educate yourself and, and maybe uh, take some steps to, to help out our community. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Gabe. I appreciate it. For more important Catholic STL news from the St. Louis Review, make sure to check out the quintessentials at stlouisreview.com slash five things. That's stlouisreview.com slash the numeral five things. This week in the quintessentials, you can read a story about 
a new street outreach program with St. Joachim and Ann Care Service in St. Charles, and how they're using a personal approach to this community problem. You can also read about Jennifer Brinker's story and the Metro Market, how it's feeding the hungry in North St. Louis and other food deserts in our community. You can also read a story about one Cardinal Ritter grad and how he's carrying sportsmanship to a new level as he will play football at the University of Missouri S&T in Rolla. And make sure to read Archbishop Robert Carlson's column this week and how he encourages us to follow the example of Mary as we make an examination of conscience. In the Quintessentials, you can also find Pope Francis's message for the week and how he explains that we receive God's mercy and this gives us hope. We must in turn share that mercy towards others. You can read all these stories and more online at stlouisreview.com or in the printed version of the St. Louis Review, the August 15th through 21st edition. Make sure to follow the St. Louis Review on Twitter at St. Louis underscore review. That's at St. Louis underscore review and the Archdiocese of St. Louis at ArchSTL. On the next edition of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll hear from some newly ordained priests and what they're looking forward to in their first year in the priesthood. We'll also talk to Joe Kenny and Lisa Johnston about a recent trip they took to Bolivia for the Catholic St. Louis Magazine and the St. Louis Review. That's all in the next edition of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next time. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis.